0: you doing today folks it's another day here on the inside inside sales show did i sound like a used car salesman Did i sound like it was like come on down i gotta move these puppies let's go i got the speed i got the cadence i got the rhythm and i've only got 15 seconds of airtime so let's get my message across yes 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 i did sound that way and you know a lot of people do sound that way it's crazy uh if you sound that way a little lesson to you don't do that Although, ironically, I understand why you might do that, because whenever we start a sales call, especially in a phone call, right, it's like you're hungry as hell to to have this phone call connection because you get so few connections result in something tangible, actionable, you know, a next step, another meeting, we want to have this call so I can have another call is really the the goal. Right. And, and we, we rush, we rush to get as much value prop as we can in that 15 second slot. Like you might see in late night television. That's if you still watch television, if you are a generational child of Netflix, you have no idea I'm talking about right now. And I feel sad for you because you just missed some serious pop culture. The best television was on late at night. So we often just throw away those precious seconds. Hi there, it's Daryl Prale from Vanilla Soft. I'm the chief revenue officer here. How you doing today there, Frankie, Susie, Mary, Billy? That's what we do, right? And you do the clock and that was like five seconds. That's gone. I got seven seconds to make an impression to see if you like me or not. In 12 seconds, you're gone. And I just, I just threw half of that away almost. That's crazy. That's a lesson you learn early on. Don't waste that time. Too many of you, I know, I get the voicemails, I have the calls, and I'm like drumming my fingers on the desk, you know? While you do your thing, you do your thing, and I, know I just have to get past it. <sighs> you know, that's a bad habit. And bad habits are hard. One of the things I do in my job uh, is I work with our sales team all the time, to get rid of those bad habits. And it's remarkable because we sit and we talk about getting back to the basics. Just selling 101. And what blows my mind every time, what blows my mind, just blows my mind, as, as, as a veteran leader, is how much pushback I get. It's okay, Daryl. I know what I'm doing. I've done this before. Just get out of my way. This is my style. That works for me. And I'm like, are you freaking stupid? Now, I don't always say that, although occasionally I've been known to say that. But in my mind, this is what every sales leader is thinking. When you say that, they're thinking this. You're a moron. You may not know that because they're looking at you with kind and concern. But in their head, it's you're a moron. And the reason they're saying you're a moron is not because they really think you're a moron. Although, you know, eh, we won't go down that road. It's because. They've been where you're at. They've struggled. They've done poor time management. They didn't block their calendar. They didn't do enough prospecting to build a sustainable pipeline so that when they depleted their pipeline to hit the number this quarter, they had nothing left to start the next quarter. You know, they thought they had major deals they committed to with management just to learn that their champion wasn't a champion at all. There's lots of deals, lots of reasons go on. Um, And all of it is basic stuff. If you listen to every single episode here of the Inside, Inside Sales Show, we've talked about what you need to do to sell successfully. That's what we do. And it's really about going back to the basics. And some, it's like no one who is your ideal customer profile. Knowing if you're in a commodity situation, why you versus the competition? Imagine somebody, uh, what a, an accountant. Everybody does it. If you're an accountant, is your accounting any different than the next accountant? Than the next accountant? I don't think so. Especially because it's all legislated and regulated. Therefore, why you? If you're selling accounting services, as an example. And the list goes on. Now, this is what keeps me up at night because not only do I sure and bring amazing guests onto the show here to share with you, to remind you. I mean, this is a very pragmatic show, a meat and potatoes show. If I had to say what's the theme of this show, it's to constantly remind you of what you've been told already and forgot about, but it's so it's so instrumental to your success. Okay. I've set the table. Now, imagine this. I get this book. Get this book in the mail. Some guy named Lee Sales. No, no, it's not Lee Sales. It's Lee Solz. Lee B. Souls. This is his third or fourth book. I forget. When you've had so many, they all blur together. And it's called Sell Different. And I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued, I tell you. And I start going through the table of contents. I look at all the who's who. On, I mean this 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 cat. You should see. It's actually, uh, it's a uh, it's obnoxiously impressive. All of the actual industry experts. He's got quality here. As the marketer to me, I'm like, God bless you, brother. This is how you launch a book. I was quite impressed. But more importantly, and I'm flipping through it now. I'm going through the, the, the table of contents. Okay, tell me if you've ever had this conversation with your sales manager. You know, differentiating your buying experience. Who's your toughest competitor? Finding out more about your clients. uh, Harness the power of virtual selling. Hey, COVID, anybody? um, The critical person you need to win more deals at the prices you want the list goes on so this is this is a phenomenal book and as you read it and i've read it and i've got a thousand notes in front of me i'm like wow and then i was confused everybody i want you to meet my friend today this is lee souls lee how you doing man
1: doing great daryl how are you i am
0: doing hey, well. know, i love
1: your story by the way you know, when you were talking about sales managers and their salespeople, yeah it almost sounded like parenting didn't it Oh my gosh! Are yeah, you trying to keep yeah. your kids from making the same mistakes you did?
0: Yeah, I had this conversation so many times with my wife. You know, uh, when when you're parents, you have two people involved, typically. Typically, sometimes four or more. Um, everybody's a little different style, and so my wife and I would have this conversation, and I would say to her, "This," I would say, um, "She's like, don't the doesn't the kid get it? This is this is stupid, and this is why." And I'm like, "You know it, I know it, I get it." But sometimes you just have to experience it, honey. Yeah, but if they experience it, you know, this consequence will happen. It's kind of like, you know, telling the kid not to touch the hot stove. Eventually, you have to let the kid touch the hot stove. That particular kid <laughs> needs to touch the hot stove. And I had to tell my wife one more again, you got to let him fail. It's the same in sales. Other reps were like, you know, just tell me what not to do. And it's funny because I'm remindedly of an old boss. And on my first job. My first job was selling copier store door, but my first, you know, job I went to school for after selling copy or to door, I said, this is hard. And I went back to being a computer programmer, which is what I went to school for. And there was me and a classmate who got this job. And we worked there for a year, year and a half or whatever. And my boss and I were talking at the time about the difference between me and my, my buddy, Darren, Daryl and Darren. And my, and, and he was saying, Daryl, it's like this. He goes, when there's a problem, Darren goes through the wall. He may butt his head up against that wall for weeks or months at a time. He'll eventually break through. Where you, Daryl, you don't go through the wall. You go around the wall. You know, and it's kind of like, that's me. I'm like, just give me the shortcut. Tell me what to do. And I'll stop doing what I'm doing because you've got a better way. Where Darren was a guy who had experienced it himself and go, you know what? Going through the wall hurts like hell. Eventually he gets there, but it may take him longer. That's true.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Have you ever heard how they train race car drivers? No. It's really interesting. So the instructor will be sitting next to the driver, and the driver obviously is driving really fast around the track, and what they want to do is look at the wall. And they think to themselves, don't hit the wall, don't hit the wall.
0: That's going to hit the wall.
1: What the instructor does is they pull their head. They won't let them look at the wall because the human mind doesn't understand the word not. So when you think, do not hit the wall, You might as well hit the wall. You've just done it. If you're playing baseball, if you're saying, do not strike out, you might as well sit down. You've already struck out. And, And so that's so often what sales managers do is they say, don't do this as opposed to what they should be doing instead. And it may seem subtle, but it's so important when you're trying to guide salespeople.
0: Okay. I agree with you which brings me back full circle to before I brought you on, my friend, I I, I had a, I had a cliffhanger and I said, when I, was, and I read the book and I loved it so much. And I said, but at the end of the day, I said, I was confused. And mm-hmm. then I brought you on. Everybody's like, what the, what the hell are you confused for? Pre? Are you just an old man? You can't remember how to finish your sentences. This is why I was confused. <laughs> your book, Lee okay. is so different. Yes. But as I went through it, it didn't actually strike me as different. It struck me as like gospel, like why aren't you doing this? This is what you need to be doing. So what's your angle around sell different?
1: So in other words, what's different about this book, right? You know, on on the one hand you say, you know, I'm reading this and it should be the gospel. But you've been around a long time. I know it's your birthday, so everybody wish – A happy birthday to Daryl. Thank you. (laughs) Um, We've been doing this a long time, and what we think should be happening with salespeople so often is not. You know, the thing that we're seeing today when when it comes to sales is it's never been tougher, right? Competition is fierce. When we look at differences between features and functions, they're subtle, they're small. But at the same time, and maybe you've done this, I haven't. I haven't seen anybody do this either. No one's saying, you know what, salespeople, I feel bad for you. We're going to lower your quota by 50%. You want to sell the deal with 20 points fewer margin? We're cool with that. Nobody's doing that. They're still saying, salespeople, we still expect you to win at high rates and protect margins while doing so. Or as I just trademarked, win more deals at the prices you want. So how do you do that? How do you do that when the differences between what you're selling and what the competition is selling is so subtle, maybe in some cases the same? Means you have to sell different, means you need to look at every touch point, every interaction you have between yourself and a buyer and look for ways to outsmart, outmaneuver and outsell the competition. And that's what I've done in, in sell different. So as you mentioned, how you generate leads, how you ask for referrals, how you even have a referral program, um, how you handle discovery meetings. Everybody wants to talk about increasing conversion rates. You'll know I won't use that word closing. I hate that word, but how do you increase conversion rates to a better job in discovery? How do you sell virtually? You know, When I wrote the book proposal, there wasn't a chapter on virtual selling, but then like you mentioned, this little thing happened, uh, the pandemic. Now there's a chapter on virtual selling. How do you deal with the ultimate deal killer? Fear of change. So important. It's in every deal. And if it's not handled properly, you lose. And so much more. So it doesn't matter what you're selling. doesn't matter to whom you're selling. These strategies will help guide you to be effective and win more deals at the prices you want. Now, one of the things that I did, I'll give you a little peek into the kitchen. First round of editing, and this is not commonly done when editing a book, I sent it to my corporate clients, several of them. I said, I'm not looking for you to work in the grammar or the spelling, here's what I wanna know. What could you not implement based on how I described it? Because one of my goals with this book was for the reader to be able to read a chapter, say, I get it, and know how to put it into practice without paying someone like me to come in and do it. There's a lot of books out there where you read it, And there's no way you can implement it on your own. Not with sell different. That was the
0: intent. I love that. So let me, I'm going to put it, I'm going to describe what he just did a little more succinctly because it frames what we're about to talk about. If you're really happy with your results right now, then just, you know, just hit fast forward or tune out or stop or go listen to another episode. If you're not happy with your results right now, then chances are what you need to do is sell different. And that's why this book matters. All right? Because what you're doing clearly isn't getting you the results you want. Let me set the stage. You go, you have a, you open the book up with a really, I love, it was a fun story and it was a really relevant story. It connected with me because it wasn't about sales. It was about your family. It was about your son. And it was your son, apparently, uh, is a a fairly accomplished or at least once upon a time was a fairly accomplished baseball player. And he was being recruited by a variety of colleges. Now, you present the dilemma of you have all these colleges. And that's kind of my example of the accountant. Right. In the sense of they're all accountants. They all do the same thing. You know, for the most part, all the colleges are similar. Sure, you have the Harvards or the Princetons. I'm not saying those were who was recruiting your your your, your son. So those are the brand outliers, and they are outliers. Everybody else, those kind of the same. And you made the great point of saying that that sales head of athletics, that coach, they're a sales rep. So how did they sell you and your son? Because there were some dynamite lessons there. It was real about your personal experiences being sold to. And so your son went to the right school. And here's the irony. That coach is going to keep their job, whether they have a winning team or a losing team. So they sure as hell better be a better salesperson than the next person. So talk to me about that.
1: Yeah. So if you've ever been through a college recruiting experience before, you know it's a sale. And these coaches are trying to sell you on their institution. But they can't differentiate what they're selling. Just like you mentioned with the accountant. They can't add a major, they can't build a dorm, they can't move the campus, they can't change the menu in the cafeteria. It just is. So what they have to do is sell different, which means differentiating their sales approach. And as I talk about in the book, some of these coaches were fantastic at it and some failed miserably. Now, you know, when you first drive onto a college campus, as soon as you cross onto the border, your blood pressure jumps about 30 points. You know why that is? You do, because you read the book. I do. It's not the tuition. You can't find a place to park. Every parking lot on a college campus says, park here, and we're going to tow you, but welcome to our fine institution. (laughs) Well, this (laughs) one school we visited, we pull into the parking lot, and there's a spot with Stephen's name on it. Stopped us dead in our tracks. Go inside. There's an agenda for the day. Stephen's name is printed right at the top. If you think about it, what did it cost this college to do these two things? A penny, maybe for the paper and the ink. But think about what they did. They made us feel. Can you hear the thunder? That's how I can. I love it.
0: it. That's because God is speaking, saying, listen to Lee.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They made us feel like Stephen was the only athlete they're recruiting anywhere on the planet for any sport. But of course, that wasn't the case but that's how they made us feel. Salespeople, we had that same opportunity to make people feel special. You know, for us, we get busy. It's just another lead, it's just another call, it's just another presentation, it's just another proposal. We forget to make people feel special. See, you may be having these conversations every hour on the hour, but think of it from their perspective. They're having it once. You know, if you've ever been to a professional show like a Broadway show, they deliver that same show multiple times a day for months, years, but the actors get it. The audience is seeing it once. They're doing it over and over and over again, but the audience sees it once. So my challenge for you, and it doesn't matter what you're selling, you can do this. How are you making people feel special? And I'll tell you something that that I do with my consulting clients, my keynote clients. If you were to ask them, how many clients does Lee have? They wouldn't have a clue because I make them feel like I've got one. And that's so important. We forget to do it. It's such an easy thing to do. It requires thought and we don't do it enough. You know, it's interesting. Steven has a brother, my other son, David, also a baseball player. He was a nationally recognized pitcher went through this this process, and there was a school that was on Stephen's list that wasn't on his list. They didn't get rid of a major, knock down a dorm, move the campus. It was the recruiting experience. They made Stephen feel like a number. They said the words, hey, we really want you here. They made him feel like a number. When David went through this process, didn't even put that school on his list. So think about this. You make someone feel like a number, It doesn't just impact this deal. It's like the old shampoo commercial. They tell two friends and they tell two friends and so on and so on. It's a major, major impact. You know, we often like to say that sales is a numbers game and I partially subscribe to that. If you fully subscribe to that, that sales is a numbers game, I'm guessing you're making the people that you're calling on feel like a number as well.
0: So one of the things I say all the time uh, if you're a regular regular listener of the show, you've heard me use this expression before, is that often the rep who doesn't get my business, even though we could have had gone through the sales cycle together, is the one who makes me feel like a transaction. That's the word I use. Because I recognize I'm just another sale to them, and there's nothing special. The word I like to use, Lee used the word special. It's a great word. It's the right word. I use a different word, same sentiment. I'm looking for a partnership. If I feel like you're gonna partner with me, you're gonna look out for my success, you've got my back, you're helping me understand and diagnose and qualify and quantify the problems and propose solutions to the process. If that's a partnership that I can go back to you if things don't work out, you've got my business. It's not just about price, it's about a partnership. Special, not a number, not a transaction. Lee and I approaching this as you know, people who can consume. He's a professional seller. I have the budget. I'm a professional buyer. Uh, But you see, you come at it from the same point of view. Too many reps don't get that. I want to talk to you. You talk about your toughest competitor. Now, this is something I talk to my team about all the time. Some get it. Some dismiss me. Talk to me about who our toughest competitor are because... I got to admit, you know, I don't want to give away the plot line. Lee goes to the store, the, the book, and he talks about, do you think it's this person? He has, you know, what are the reps guess? They guess it's this, they guess it's that, they guess it's this, they guess it's that. And of course, as you might imagine, they're getting more and more specific, but in the end, they're ultimately wrong. And when I read who you qualified as the toughest competitor was, I'm like, yes, because I've had this conversation so many times. So who's our toughest competitor, Lee?
1: Ah, that you just touched upon one of my favorite questions to ask keynote audiences, So I'll say, who's your toughest competitor? And I'll call on a few folks and they'll rattle off three names, you know, three players in their space. And I'm sure they're tough competitors, but there's one even tougher. And then someone will snark, you know, get up and say, oh, you mean that old sales trainer one, the status quo, the choice to do nothing. Also a tough competitor, but there's one even tougher. So then the audience gets quiet and they start thinking about it for a minute. And then someone will raise their hand and say, it's me. If I don't have the right mindset, I am my toughest competitor. Now, they're not entirely wrong. Certainly, if you don't have the right mindset, you can be a competitor. You can be in your own way. But there's one even tougher, even more formidable. And no audience member has ever guessed it. And I'm so excited, Daryl, that you and I are singing from the same hymnal on this. And it's every salesperson calling the same person you are trying to get a meeting. See, we're egocentric when we think about the competition, but let's put ourselves on the other side of the desk for a moment. Let's say we call on CIOs and we sell a software product. Let's think about that CIO for a moment. That CIO is receiving calls and emails from salespeople representing their entire purview of responsibilities and beyond. And if you think about it, they're all selling the same thing, a meeting. They want FaceTime with this individual. Now, I'll share with you a little background. I was a history major in college and went to what was called SUNY Binghamton, now called Binghamton University. And while I studied history, I learned many historical business facts, and I'm going to share one with the group here. In the entire history of business, no executive has ever been hired for the sole purpose of meeting with salespeople every hour on the hour. It's never happened. It's never going to happen. So we're an interruption in their day. And so what that says to us is, we've gotta be different, different, right in that first interaction, or we're not getting the meeting. Because if there's no meeting, there's no proposal. No proposal, no win. No win, no commission check, it's very logical. See, if we remember that no executive is staring at their phone going, oh my gosh, I hope a salesperson calls me right now. No one's doing that. If we keep that in mind, that tells us we've got to be creative
0: in our outreach. The thing about this is I am always hammering my team that you say all of people are calling you know, the same decision influencer, and I agree with you. I'm saying you need to call beyond because often the decision influencers actually pushing that decision down one level to do analysis, assessment, shortlisting, et cetera, uh, use cases, needs analysis, et cetera. And you need to call into the extended buying committee because there's influencers, you know, there's the financial, there's the technical, there's the IT, et cetera. And, And they don't do that. They keep on calling to the same, as you say, DI. And they're just noise with every other person. And now that person, the buyer, me, I just get tired of it. I just, I just, I stop responding. Whereas if they go down to where no one else is, two things are going to happen. One, they're going to find out that, yes, they're looking for it. In fact, there's even a couple of initiatives in the, in the organization, not just us, but perhaps elsewhere, right, that could that, be part of this project. And they're going to give you those names. And then, two, they're going to walk you into the DI and say, I've talked to Daryl, and he passes the litmus test. I like Daryl. You should talk to Daryl. And that's what's going to happen, as opposed to trying to do a frontal assault you know, it's a flanking and I get so much resistance from people not wanting to call on the buying committee. And I get Devon. No, in my industry, the person I'm talking to is the only one that matters in my industry. You know, it's not how it works. Yes. They don't have, they don't sign the check, but you know, they have the influence to make it happen, blah, blah, blah. And I'm tired, exhausted of hearing this excuse. So help me out here, brother. How do I convince my team and those who I work with that you have to do exactly what you're saying not to do, right? Don't call solely to the DI, go elsewhere.
1: Well, I look at DI's as anyone and everyone who influences the decision to buy what you're selling. Yep. So it's folks at the middle level, it's folks at the higher level. But to your point, we need to be reaching out to all the people who could basically be involved in that decision-making process. You know, the thing about sales is you don't get compensated or rewarded for hard work. You do get rewarded and compensated for being creative, strategic, smart in your outreach because from that, you get results. Darrell, does that help you with your
0: team? It helps me, but, you know, I would say this. If you still are fighting me on this one, Lee just told you, Are you having the success you're having that you want? Because if you're not, perhaps you need to sell different. All right. I'll go with that. Okay. You talk about prospecting.
1: Oh, you, mean, you mean like this? Like that right <laughs> there.
0: Exactly. So you talk about, I love, I, I we're going to, we're running out of time. I hit a few of the things. One of the things I love okay. is you said is prospecting debt, Cause I one want to complain you hear all the time. Lee shares a little stat in the book. I again, I'm giving all of the good stuff away, but I, I'm asking you not. Cause it's great stuff. You, you, you pulled a whole bunch of executives and how many executives have bought you recall the stat? If not, I'll, I'll remind you. I
1: do. What's the stat? I do, and it's not actually—it's not my study. It's a group called the Rain Group. Okay, and they studied this topic. They asked executives if they had ever taken a meeting with a sales pe- a salesperson who had reached out to them through some sort of prospecting. And so, I'll ask my audiences of salespeople: What's what percentage said yes? I met with a salesperson who reached out through some form of prospecting, and as you might imagine. The answers are a fraction of a percent that's the common answer the actual answer is 82 82 percent of executives said they took a meeting with a salesperson who had reached out through some sort of prospecting but the study went a step further they found the secret sauce the key ingredient that led to you getting the meeting which is personalization if you had a generic outreach The way you left voicemail messages, the emails you're sending when you reach someone live, it was all generic. You weren't in that four out of five group. It had to be personalized if you were going to be successful with it.
0: Okay. See, I love this. That's a theme that you're going to see throughout the book, folks. He talks about personalization. He comes at it from lots of different ways. When I was reading it, it was jumping off the page at me because I, I was projecting my own personality. I'm like, when I'm on the phone, when I'm in email. Do I let my personalization come through? Do they feel special to me? I loved your Broadway analogy. Does the audience feel like this is a special presentation to them? Do they feel like the actors are putting it all out there? You, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit because you actually talk a little bit. That, you know, you, you go to the point about well, the personalize that you really need to know who your your buyer is, and to know who your buyer is, you need to research your buyers, you need to go back to your customer base and You have this wonderful expression that you just talk about uh, i 'll I'll set you up, then you can explain what i 'm talking about here. You do okay. the old "If you were me, and i 'll stop there, so talk to me about if you were mean <laughs> and why that matters to me as a sales rep
1: Yeah, so so often I hear executives and salespeople struggling to find more of their best clients. And they're searching high and low for them. They can't find them anywhere. And I tell them, boy, you're making it so much harder than it needs to be. And they look at me funny. I'm like, no, it is. And so I have a strategy that I have used when I ran sales teams that I've used with consulting clients, and I'm batting a 1,000. And if you're not a baseball fan, it means every individual who's tried it it's worked. Now, not a lot of sales strategies you can say that about with, but it's worked every single time. Now, you'll notice I said more of your best clients. I didn't say your largest clients because oftentimes they're not synonymous. Your largest client, maybe they're low margin. Maybe there's some complex solution that you don't want to replicate. So, more of your best clients is what we're looking for here. So, we have to have clarity on what that looks like. Uh, Daryl, do you People like free things? Of course they
0: do. They love free things. Of course things. they do.
1: Yes. If you go to targetclientsprofile.com, there's a worksheet you can download. It has nine components to help you have true clarity on your target client. Now, I keep saying target client. You may have heard the expression ideal client. I don't refer to it that way. And it may seem like I'm splitting hairs, but to me, there's a big difference in the message salespeople hear. When you say ideal client, this is, if all the stars were to align, this is the kind of business we'd like to have. Target client is, this is the business to pursue every single day, because this is, gonna, this is who's gonna see value in what we're offering. So now, once we have that clarity, because you need that clarity to use this strategy, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna pick 10 clients that if you could stick them in a copier to replicate them, you do it in a heartbeat. Of course, we can't do that. And you're gonna have a conversation, not an email, not a text, you're not gonna leave a voicemail message. And during the conversation, you're gonna ask one key question. So let me set it up for you. You know, Darryl, you've been working with us for a long time, so you're familiar with what we offer and the quality of what we offer. Now here comes the question. If you were me, what associations would you be active in? What conferences would you attend? outbound. What events would you go to? What would you be reading to meet more people like you? It's an open book test and we make it so much harder than it needs to be. People want to help you. They do, but they have to be asked. They really do. Now you'll notice I wasn't upselling, I wasn't cross-selling, I wasn't asking for referrals, I wasn't asking them to serve as a reference. The only thing I was doing was asking them to take my hat, Put it on their head for a moment and share with me their counsel. So I told you I'm batting a thousand with this strategy. Want me to give you a couple of of examples? Sure. Okay. So this one client, there was a team that I was coaching, gave them the assignment, two weeks, have 10 of these if you were me conversations. Just before we're going to have our update call, get an email from their sales manager apologizing, saying, hey, Lee, we got busy we only got four of these done, but I I attached what we found. Daryl, four pages of notes from four (laughs) conversations. What's he apologizing for? Yeah, exactly. Right, then I had another one. This was an individual salesperson. Again, have 10 of these conversations in two weeks. He got seven done. He had a 45 minute update for me of everything he learned in those seven conversations. He found out about a technology council in his own backyard. Didn't even know it existed. Where all these CIOs were hanging out and he couldn't reach them. And his client says, you know, I can bring you as my guest if you'd like. Yeah. And then a few months later, he had an opportunity to present at that organization. An organization of folks he had been unable to reach. Now, one of those conversations he actually had in person. And his CEO was sitting next to him, didn't know about this strategy. So he posed the if you were me question. And then that night, I get an email from the CEO, very short email. He said, Lee, I feel this is the question I've been missing for the last 15 years of my life. Thank you. Watched it in action today, nearly cried, spectacular. Folks, the strategy works. Remember what I said a little while ago? that my objective with this book was to give you strategies that you can implement without paying another penny to do it. This is a perfect
0: example of it. So folks, as you can tell, I'm a big fan of the book. And I'm a big fan of the book because if you're not having the success you want, the, the book title says it all. You need to sell different. Now you have two options you can do here you can ignore this and say that was an interesting or entertaining read. And maybe I'll follow Lee on LinkedIn, which by the way you should do regardless and go to his website and download his content. Um, which by the way, if you want to go to his website, uh, I believe it's, is it sales? So learn about is the book, right? it's selldifferentbook.com. and you can actually download the first chapter for oh, free. Look, he's got a dedicated book. There you go. Then, but beyond that, you should go buy the book, you know, just go buy it because This is an investment in you and it's a small investment in you so you can have better success. A lot of stuff in there, you're going to go, oh, I knew that, but I'm not doing it. Other stuff are going to go, like, if you were me, you're going to go, that's freaking brilliant. He's got a, I don't want to give it away, but he's got a whole chapter he mentioned on virtual selling. He's got a call out in the book. If you go to www.virtualsellingbestpractices.com, there's some more content there you guys can grab. I'm going to close on this. I wish I had time to drill down into this, but I was so, you know, vanilla software, a sales engagement platform. And I was so thrilled to talk about in your prospecting section of the book, you talked about what I would call a cadence. Others would call it a sequence. Suck the whole boy, you had a 16 day campaign of how to get in front of people. And what I found so intriguing in that 16 day campaign was you only had two emails and one LinkedIn touch. The rest were all phone based. Now I won't give it away. You want to see what that 16-day campaign is to generate new business, you gotta buy the book. So, with that said, my friends, this is the one, the only Lee Sulz. He's a rock star. Thank you, my friend, today for joining me online here on the Inside, Inside Sales Show. Good luck with the book. It's number one, right? It is. It hit bestseller and it's rocking the numbers around the world right now. So there you go. The numbers don't lie. The audience is out there. Give it a review. If you get the book, uh, Lee would be most grateful. It's the right thing to do. But in the meantime, if you like this, we're going to do it again all next week. My name's Daryl. This is the Inside Inside Sales Show. We'll talk to you next week. Take care. Bye-bye.